Hello, everybody, and welcome to Living in the Third Degree with BPD. My name is Brad Shattuck, and I am your host. This podcast is about my personal experiences, stories, and events with dealing with borderline personality disorder, otherwise known as BPD. My experiences with BPD is due to my wife, now ex-wife, who I have been with for 34 years, was diagnosed with BPD in 2012. And I want to share my experiences with you so that if you are someone who has somebody in your life with BPD, that you may relate to what I'm saying along with my personal tips and suggestions that may or may not work in your specific situation. And if you are someone who has been diagnosed or think you may have BPD, that you may recognize the signs and understand the havoc and turmoil that it can have around people that are involved in your life. Let me caution you that I am in no way qualified or certified in the field of mental health and that my personal suggestions are merely my personal opinion and do not recommend that anybody take any mental health therapy into their own hands, but to personally seek out the help from a professional in the field of mental health. And furthermore, if you are a couple, you might even consider counseling to help further your relationship a little bit better. So with that being said, I hope you enjoy the show. Everybody. And again, thank you for listening. My name is Brad Shattuck. I'm the host of this show. And today's topic is called One Step Forward, Two Steps Back. The reason I say that is out of massive frustration. As I mentioned before, I do a lot of reading uh, about borderline personality disorder. I listen to podcasts. I listen to audiobooks. I research online. I talk to my own counselor. Tips and tricks how to deal with this disorder, which my wife of 33 years has, and how to better our relationship. And it seems like the more I learn, the less I get ahead. But I do get sometimes one step forward, but then sometimes I get two, three, four, five, six, seven steps back. But you know what? Sometimes love is worth it. So no matter the merry-go-round, I'm still here for her. So I'm hoping that maybe this episode will answer some of your unanswered questions. So stay tuned. Thank you again for listening. So, thank you again for listening. And welcome to another episode of Walking on Eggshells. Borderline Personality Disorder. Again, my name is Brad Shattuck. I do not have BPD. My wife of 33 years does. And our relationship has been up and down and worse in the past five years since she has developed a paranoia along with her personality disorder. Makes it very difficult, extremely difficult. Actually, words can't even describe what it's like to live with somebody with BPD. And um, the reason I've done this episode, like I said, there's a lot of people out there in the same position as me. Um, Probably even worse, my situation may be nothing compared to what other people go through. But the point of the matter is, it's worth it to keep trying if you love that person. So hopefully there's a lot of people out there with unanswered questions, or you may say, oh my god, that's just like me. How does he deal with it? And that's what this is based on, it's just my personal experiences. But anyways, 
like I mentioned in the intro, I've done a extensive amount of research. Now, this this goes back probably about maybe five years ago when, when my wife's disorder started getting worse and worse and worse. I'd look up online her symptoms, and after looking through all different types of disorders, um, she is narcissistic, but I think that's also a part of her BPD. But I one day saw a title, and it said borderline personality disorder, and I saw the symptoms, and I swear I could have taken my wife's picture and put it there and said, if you looked up the meaning of borderline personality disorder, her picture would be right there as a spokesperson for it. And I don't say that like in a funny way. It was kind of relieving. It was actually a relief. My God, this is what she has. So, you know, I understand somebody who's got some. Some people have the guts to look up and see what they might have. I've done it. I have um, um, bipolar disorder. I have anxiety, social phobia, or social anxiety, they call it, and um, major depression. I figured that out when I read online, and my doctor diagnosed me exactly what I figured out it would be. Not everybody can do that, I, and I definitely don't suggest anybody self-diagnose yourself at all, but it's good to get an idea of what you might possibly have, and it does help the doctors, too. I mean, if you go in there and you have, <clears throat> you know, um, pains, and you tell your doctor where about the pains are and the symptoms, you know, and you look online and say, you know, I looked up and it says it might be this, it's going to help him as well to possibly, you know, point in that direction. Um, you know, some of them can get offended by it, like, you know, I'm the doctor, I'll figure it out. But other ones there, they they actually like that a patient takes the time to try to look up, rather than just going right to them and saying, Doc, what's wrong? You know, um, it's always nice to know about yourself. So anyways, back to what I was saying. Um, so I didn't say this to my wife. I, I never told her, hey, this is what I think you have. So it was kind of funny, about three months later, um, she was in her counselor's office, and I'd wait out in the vehicle. She came out, and I just happened to be napping, and she opens the door and wakes me right up. She goes, I've got some good news for you. I said, okay, what is that? She said, I've got a paper right here, and um, my counselor and my doctor believe I have this. She handed me a paper, and at the top of it, it said borderline personality disorder. I almost fainted. Now, I didn't tell her. I already knew this, or I looked it up. I said, oh my God, really? Now, I already knew all the symptoms and I started reading about it. But then, once I found out exactly what she was diagnosed with, it was a relief because I, I knew she had those symptoms. But I'm glad that her doctor actually diagnosed her with exactly what I thought she had had. So it was such a relief because now I was really free to look up the disorder. I started looking it up before I knew and I said, why should I be looking up a disorder she's not actually diagnosed with? Because I could be wrong. I am not... I, I have no experience in that field whatsoever, only what I read. So, uh, so anyways, I from that night on, I really started getting into a lot of reading about the disorder. And, you know, in the beginning, it was kind of overwhelming because I'm, like, trying to take all this information in and trying to learn about it and the excitement. So... In the beginning, I took in too much to actually absorb it. Um, it. But anyway, so slowly over time, I was reading about it and um, trying to apply some of the things, especially with DBT, uh, towards her. And she was kind of receptive in the beginning. She would tell me, you know, that answers a lot of the questions on why I was thinking you were cheating on me um, when I was right in the other room 
or you know, you'd go leave to go to the bathroom, and I was thinking that you were handing notes out the window to people, and I told him, I said, I'm very, I am very proud of you, that you're actually figuring out that there's not something wrong with you, that you're not crazy, that it's a disorder that can be treated, and you know, with work, you know, it's not just a medication, but with work, and if we do DBT, we can work through this, and um, unfortunately, she never was receptive to DBT, which is unfortunate because DBT was exactly designed for people with BPD, um, and then it was applied to other disorders. I personally love DBT. It, it's awesome. It uh, creates mindfulness, so you can actually you know, every situation when we get into it afterwards, like, damn, I wish I would have said this. If I could go back, I would have done this. I would have said this. And that's what DBT does is it helps you to kind of step back and think before you say something and try to perceive reality a little bit. And it's a great practice. I I swear by it. I, I believe it, it helps anybody. I don't care even if you have a disorder. Just a normal joke. It helps with those situations, that fight or flight. Um, and it, it really does work, but you got to believe in it and apply it. And I'm not saying I'm perfect. Trust me. I, you know, just like with anything, you can be a karate expert and still, you know, get a knife in your neck. But um, there's been a countless, countless situations, not with just my wife, but with my kids and just other people where I've applied DBT and I'm like, wow, this really works. So anyways, um, not saying in every situation it does, but I'll tell you one thing. One situation that it may work in is one more that didn't in the past. So, uh, anyways, so fast forward to why I'm doing this episode, one step forward, two steps back. Um, I'd say probably a couple of months into my wife finding out she had uh, BPD, I had, you know, told her I started reading up on it, you know, to try to help you, and I started telling her some things about the disorder, and she said, you know what, stop right there. Why don't you worry about your own disorders before you worry about mine? So she took it offensively, like, why are you focusing on me? So we had some fights over the past few days of that, and I couldn't figure out why. What what the hell did I do? So when she kind of came out of her episode, she explained, are you trying to learn about my disorders so you can like find out ways how you can deceive me? And unfortunately, that was one of the things I read later on that they feel... Um, even sometimes the counselor, if you go for couples counseling, they'll sometimes think that the counselor is in on it, like we're trying to deceive them. So she thought that I was trying to learn about her disorder, like how to get around it and like sneak around it. And I said, listen, I am not learning about your disorder for any other reason other than so I can. Now, I started using the me, not her, because I didn't want to point everything at her like, you know, then I can figure out why you do this, why you do that, why you do this. So I turned it around knowing her. And I said, so I can figure out things that I can do to not set up your triggers. Things that I can do that used to make you mad that maybe I can change. Things I used to do that used to think things. So by doing it that way and not putting it all on her, because people with BPD, they don't like um, to be blamed. They won't accept fault. Um, And the problem is they don't differentiate the difference between guilt and shame. And with shame, they're just blaming themselves. Like, why did I do that? Why did I do this? And you can't change shame. Shame is just like a slap in the face. But with guilt, at least guilt, you can admit you did something wrong and what you can do about it. So it becomes very constructive instead of a criticism. So 
The biggest thing we people with BPD need to learn is the difference between guilt and shame. And actually, most of us, anybody, anybody can use that same. As I'm saying, a lot of these practices for BPD, the normal Joe can use it. It's like, but unfortunately, they need it more because of the fact guilt and shame is a huge part of BPD. And I've seen it with my wife before. After we're done fighting, she won't admit she did anything wrong. And, you know, I'm a human being. So even after knowing things, I still said, you know what? You do owe me an apology. I'm, you know, I'm a human too. I, I like respect. I like to have, you know, somebody apologize for something they did to hurt me, especially when I wasn't in the wrong. But I've learned that I love her enough that I can deal with not her saying sorry. I have to put my feelings aside. Sorry, because I love her that much that I can deal with not getting an apology because I see the shame in her face. She's already blaming herself. So I turn around instead of, I be selfless about it. Instead of me getting the apology, I go up and I say, listen, I understand you have a disorder. And I tell her, it's not your fault. I understand, but we just need to work on this. I'm not looking for you to say sorry. I'm not even putting blame. I just want to help you. I love you. And you know what? A lot of times that turns into a good situation. By putting my feelings aside, my pride, I turn it around to help her. Because you have to stand. A lot of people with BPD, it's all about them. It's going to be all about them, center of attention. So if you love that person enough, you got to swallow your pride not want to get, you know, as much as you want that apology, especially when you know you didn't do anything wrong, you know what, fuck it, put it aside, don't worry about it right now, if you want the situation to get better, swallow your pride, be selfless, give them the apology, and let them know your understanding, and sometimes it comes back tenfold, and I'll tell you, probably, oh my god, I'd say probably eight out of ten, well, well, maybe we'll go down with six or seven, fights out of ten, by doing that, and turn it around, it gets better. Now, the other thing is, I'll never get that apology. And that's fine. That's what I mean. You have to put it aside and say, you know what, I'm never going to get that apology. Fine, put it in your fucking back pocket, leave it alone. It's worth it to have them move on and you move on than to be stuck there again and go into that cycle. Because all you're going to do is set them back off. It's another trigger. So you know what, swallow your pride, move forward. But that's <laughs> the problem. And that's the whole point of this episode when step four two steps back so after an incident like that of me swallowing my pride applying all the principles of trying to you know help her with the disorder and apply dbt we move that step forward we get along for that day get along the next day and then bing <laughs> we go back right before it so but again the way i look at it <laughs> so many people have said to me why do you keep going back? Why do you keep going back? Number one, I was raised a Catholic. I said, I love you, sickness and in health. And you know what? Sickness can be not just somebody getting hurt, being in crutches or a wheelchair, being in a hospital bed. Sickness is also mental health sickness. You can be sick in the head. Not saying that in a bad term, but you know what? Sickness and in health, I'm still there. Even though last year she divorced me and we're kind of so forth back together, my vow stayed to the day we die. I will never take that vow away. She divorced me. I did not divorce her. And I've told her that. And so many times that she's broke down and said, why do you still do this? Why do you love me so much? I divorced you. 
And I tell her, that's the difference. You divorced me. I didn't divorce you. When I swore under God and looked in your eyes and said, I will love you and care for you to the day we die, death to us part, you took those vows away because you wanted to. I'll never take those vows away. And I mean that. I really mean that. That's why I'm still there for her this day. And again, when everybody says, why do you keep going back? Because I can have five days of hell complete hell in people with somebody with BPD that lives, I'm sorry, if you don't have it and live with somebody who does, you understand what I'm talking about. Five days of unbelievable living, torturous hell. I can't even describe in words. You guys know what I'm talking about. But to have those two days in heaven is so worth it. To have the woman that I met 33 years ago that I fell in love with, that I was willing to walk down that aisle and stand under God and look her in the eyes and say, till death do us part. That's the woman that I have for the two days that I got five days of hell to be with. The way I look at it, if somebody said, your dream woman is over the other side of that mountain, but you got to climb through these woods naked with ticks and mosquitoes biting you through the woods and then up that mud hill carrying a backpack with 50 pounds of rocks. Once you get to the top of that hill, you can grab her hand and slide down and live in harmony in paradise. You know what? I think anybody would climb up that hill naked, getting bitten by flies and mosquitoes and ticks, getting beaten down, out of breath, walking uphill with rocks in a backpack. And that's what I go through for five days to get those two days of heaven. Because those two days mean the world to me. And I go through those five days of hell, climbing up that hill to be with the woman that I married, the woman I fell in love with, the woman that I love and would die for and kill for. So that's why I got through the five days. And that's also why I'll take the two steps forward and take the one step back because it's true love. And if anybody has a spouse or another significant other, whatever you want to call them, who has BPD, if you love them enough, you understand what I'm saying. When they're good, they're great. When they're bad, they're bad. You know how it is. It's black or white. It's splitting. It's either saint or Satan. That's how it is. But if you love that saint enough, you'll deal with the Satan. I'm not going to say you're going to cure him. I'm not saying it's good to stay in a situation all the time. But the more you learn about the disorder, the more days you can have of paradise. And I found that out. I have had more happier days because I'm more understanding. I understand the disorder. And nothing's perfect. I'm not saying every... Uh, tip and trick that I work works all the time, but I'll tell you it works a lot more than it used to Because when she used to think I was going in the bathroom and passing notes out the window to somebody That doesn't happen anymore The certain tips and tricks that you can use on their triggers I guarantee that will reduce the amount of episodes But on the other hand it is their responsibility to accept fault and get help for their issue And like my wife says, oh, I tell my counselor everything. Oh, no, you don't my dear if you told your counselor everything, they would definitely be getting you more help. I even said to them one time they would lock you up. And I know that's not mean to that is mean to say because that's making her think, well, geez, I better not open my mouth. But, and I have apologized for that. But the thing is they do need to be honest. They need to be truthful. Just like if you go into your doctors, if you have asthma and you had an attack and then you go in to see him and he says, well, how's your asthma been? No, it's been fine. You don't tell him you've been having attacks. Well, he's not going to prescribe you an inhaler. You've got to have an attack. You can't breathe and you die. You've got to be honest with the doctor. I've been having multiple attacks. I've been having a lot more attacks lately. Oh, okay, well, I'm going to give you an inhaler. 
you have to be open and honest with everything or they can't help you. They can't provide a treatment plan for you that can help you. You know, my wife definitely never tells them that she has delusions and, you know, she perceives reality completely different. I know she doesn't. I can't force her to, and I'm not about to call her counselor and tell them that. That's up to her. If she doesn't want to change her life, then that's her decision, not mine. I can't force her. Just like you can't force somebody to love you. If she feels that she doesn't need to change for her own reason, for whatever reason, she doesn't love me enough to change, she doesn't feel that her life is indifferent, why should you? I mean, if I told you, hey, you need to go to the doctor and get help for licking pine trees, but you don't really lick pine trees, are you going to go tell your doctor, hey, I lick pine trees? No. So if you don't feel there's something wrong, you're not going to try to get help for it. So at this time, she still feels her episodes don't bother anybody. As far as her actions show, she may think in her mind it does, but for some reason she doesn't feel she needs to get help for it. It's a constant cycle, it's a merry-go-round, and I'll tell you one thing, I would not want to be in her skin, and I've told that before. I said, I don't know what you go through, I don't know what it's like for you to live in your head, but I can tell you right now, I would not want to be there. I want to help you as much as I can, but you can't force somebody, just like you can't force a drug addict to go into rehab or an alcoholic to go into rehab. They have to want to do it for themselves, and if they don't feel that their destruction is causing any pain to anybody or themselves, they're not going to change. If they feel, hey, everything's fine. I know I'm a drunk. I know I'm a drug addict. I, I know I have mental disorders. You know what? It's hurting other buddy. But I don't give a shit. If they don't care, they need a reason to change. Whatever that reason is. Whether it's to change their living situation, their relationship. If they don't want that bad enough, they're not going to change. Nobody will. Nobody will at all change the situation if they don't feel they need to. But on the other hand, some people feel they need to, but they're scared to. So I'm stuck in that situation of, how exactly do I get her to really open up to her counselor? So I'm still working on that. So that's one of my unanswered questions. But anyway, so that's pretty much what I got for this episode. Um, I really appreciate you guys listening. I My listenership has gone up considerably. It's like a thousand new plays just this week alone. And I really appreciate it. And I've gotten some emails. Um, I got one from um, a teenage girl. She... Um, was really upset because her mother has BPD and she thinks she has some of the symptoms of it. And I answered her back and, you know, I don't offer any professional help. I don't have any experience in that, but I gave her my professional opinion on, um, you know, what she should do um, as far as getting diagnosed. And I gave her a link uh, to look up about symptoms and how young you can be before they diagnose you. And I've also got a couple of emails from um, one of them is a counselor out of New York. She wants to um, be a guest on the show. And I've got a lady who is from England, and she has her own podcast, and she wants to uh, combine a show with me as well. So, word's getting out there. I'm hoping I'm helping somebody, um, even if it's one person. It makes it all worth it. Um, but the way I look at it, even if it's not, it's getting shit off of my chest, and it feels good. But I'm hoping some people out there will actually realize they're not the only ones, and I'm just hoping I can offer some kind of support. So again, if you guys have any questions or want to come on the show, offer any information or look for anything that might be able to help point your way, uh, feel free to email me. It's eggshellpodcast at gmail.com. And other than that, you guys have a great day. Stay safe and God bless you.